Well, good morning. Man, the fun day already. I mean, I, I, we could not, I could not even preach and go home with a full heart, but I like to preach too, so y'all are stuck with me. <laughs> but uh, I, before we get going, I did have one other announcement. A couple weeks ago, we let you know that Cody Franklin is coming on staff as our family pastor. He starts this week, and so um, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, just to let you know kind of what he's going to be doing. He's going to be helping us with our children's ministry, helping us with uh, our non-existent youth ministry. <laughs> um, we, we hope to kind of get some things going there. And then also, you know, really, we, we just want to be intentional as a church about coming alongside you and, and one another as families so that in our homes, they are basically little churches where we are making discipleship happen where, where we are going out doing what Red just sung about as a family. And so that, those are kind of the, th- the three pieces of what we hope Cody to be involved in. His job description will probably uh, kind of move and there, there will be some, some variation in that over time. But uh, I just ask you to join me in praying for he and Mandy uh, as, as he comes on staff and, and reach out to them. Have them over to your house for coffee or a meal or if you're like me and your house is crazy, you can take them somewhere or whatever, you know, but, but reach out to them, get to know them, welcome them. Um, I know they are really excited about being a part of, of our Skillman body, and we're certainly excited to have you guys. Well, uh, last week I was out celebrating my mother-in-law's 60th uh, birthday, and that was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Uh, I have yet listen to the, to the sermon, but I hear James did a phenomenal job last week. So James, wherever you are, thank you. There he is in the back. But uh, today we're kicking off our fall sermon series, which is uh, titled Missio Dei. And Missio Dei is the Latin phrase for mission of God. What we're going to be doing is we're going to spend 10 weeks together looking at God's story in scripture. Not, not every verse, of course, but from Genesis all the way to Revelation. What is God doing with this world? What is his mission for all of us, everyone who has ever lived? And so I personally invite you to join us. Uh, we're going to be you know, starting that today and running that through the fall up and really until the, uh, let me see if I get this right, Advent season. I sometimes mix Advent and Lent, very different. But uh, So I invite you, invite you to, to come back and join us. So this was kind of an interesting week in the life of our church because we did something that we don't do a lot of, is we, we had a memorial service yesterday. Yesterday we had the privilege of honoring uh, the life of, of Jim Lesher. He was involved here at Skillman. Many of you knew him. Uh, he was here for over 20 years until he relocated out to Mesquite to live in an assisted living facility. But you probably remember Jim if you've been around for at least three or, or so years uh, he used to, to, along with Tommy, hand out the bulletins and greet here at Skillman. And uh, yesterday I learned some, some awesome things about Jim, and I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet, but it was just too good to not share. Um, the first thing that I learned was that Jim was an eccentric person with a really great pers- uh, sense of humor. Um, he used to go roller skating in North Park Mall up until he was in his late 70s. So uh, I'm really sad that I never got to meet him in person, because I want to know somebody who roller skates through North Park Mall in their 70s. That's a lot of life in that soul. But uh, secondly, one of the things I really learned, or I learned that, that I really uh, appreciated, and I got to see it firsthand, was Jim loved the Lord, 
and he loved his family and taught them to love the Lord. We saw his daughter, we saw his granddaughter stand up here and give testimony to that. I mean, his granddaughter was in tears, speaking of how it has been an invaluable thing in her life to have a grandfather that she knew loved the Lord and loved her, and it has provided a foundation for her that has made all the difference. You know, and I, I just, I, I told the family afterwards yesterday, I said, I hope that at my funeral, I have a granddaughter that gets up and says something like that. I don't care if I ever accomplish anything, you know, worthy of, as far as the world thinks, but if my family says that on the day that they remember me, I've done a job right. I've, I've done life well. And so it was, it was a neat day yesterday, but one of the things that we, we learned about or, or I learned about Jim yesterday, was that he frequently wanted to know how things worked. He had a scientific mind, and he was just an inquisitive person. And so one of the things that he loved to do was, was take things apart and put them back together. And so, I mean, he worked on small electronics and vacuum cleaners. He had some jobs that were related to that, but he had this little shop that he had built out behind his house, and he would just spend hours tinkering with things, figuring out how they worked. Well, as I was thinking about that this morning, I think that, like Jim, many of us have inquiring minds. And a question that I would say is absolutely uh, just fundamental for everyone. We all ask it at some point in our lives, often multiple times, is, why am I here? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? And in fact, a lot of people, a lot of us, have found ourselves in a lot of pain by trying to find the answer to that question in other people, in trying to find the answer to that question in the amount of money that we make or have, in the success that we can uh, develop for ourselves. We run to these things for our identity and run to these things for our purpose, and and we experience that it is not in those things because those things fail us. I believe that if we want to know why we're here, our purpose in life, we have to go back to the very beginning and and look, really take things apart, if you will, to borrow from from what Jim enjoyed doing, so that we can find our purpose. I think that it it comes from kind of going back and looking at the way that God set all of this stuff up in the first place. And so today we're going to look at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Richard just read it for us uh, for the Old Testament reading. We'll we'll read it again here in just a moment. But if you need a Bible, there's a blue ESV copy in the back of that pew in front of you. And I want to invite you to turn with me to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. As we look at this text today, we're going to ask two questions. We're going to first ask the question, who is God? As he is revealed in these, these three verses, who is God? And then secondly, in light of that... How can we play our part in his story? How can we fulfill the purpose that we were created for? So we're going to look at those two questions, and in just a moment we'll, we'll uh, read this together, but I want to pray for us, and then I'll ask you to stand with me as we read. So let's pray. Lord, it's such a, a joy to be in this place each week, and it's really a joy to me today because I wasn't here last week. In my time with my friends here at Skillman over the past 15 months, you have developed just an affection for these people and for this, this body of believers. And so I just thank you for the gift that this church is to me and that it is to so many of us. Um, Lord, we, we pray for our 
our brothers and sisters around the world who maybe have that gift, but they, they have to, to share that and appreciate that in private and secret, and they fear for their very lives. I pray that you would protect them this very day. And we pray for our other brothers and sisters who are all over the world, whether they're having to meet in secret or not. We just pray that today they would sense that you are with them, that you love them, and I pray that you would empower them to be effective witnesses for you, to share your love and truth wherever they are. And Lord, we belong to do that as a church, and so I pray that you would use this time to to teach us about who you are and your heart for the world and why you created it and why we're here and how all of that stuff comes together. I pray that you would guide our time, that your spirit would use me to, to explain and to encourage us from your word. I pray that anything that I would say that would be a, a distraction or an error, you would, you would cause us to forget that, but that you would only cause us to remember and act upon what is true. We, we ask your spirit, we trust that you will do that. We ask you to be with us for the next few minutes in a unique, powerful way as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand and read this uh, again. Some good, good verses. This is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, you can take a seat. So I mentioned the first question we're going to going to look at today is who is God? And in these verses, we see a lot of stuff that teaches us about who God is. Now, in this story, God is talking with Abram, and of course, he's giving Abram some information and some instruction. But I want you to know that in this story and in the whole Bible, God is the main person. He's the, what's the, what's the central figure? I don't know. I'm, yeah, the main character. He's, he is the main character. He is, he is the one that the story is all about. It's not about the people that he creates, ultimately. It's about him. And so in verse 1, we read that it says, Now the Lord said to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram. I want to pause right there because if we don't stop and kind of understand what's going on here before we ever pay attention to the words that are coming out of God's mouth, we're going to miss something. If you back up into chapter 11, we're not going to read these verses for the sake of time, but we find out in chapter 11 that Abram is the son of Terah, and he is originally from Ur of the Chaldeans, but at this point, when God comes to Abram and talks to him, he is now settled in Haran. What's important for us to understand about that is that Abram, at this point in his life, is not a God-fearer. He is not like Noah. He is not like... Uh, the ones that were a part of the people of God up until this point, okay? He's living in a polytheistic nation, worshiping false gods, and God seeks Abram out from among the Chaldeans as an individual, comes to him, and he calls Abram unto himself. But what does God call him to do? In verse 1, he says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He tells him to leave his country, he tells him to leave his kindred and his father's house. 
In essence, what God is calling Abram to do, and this is, I, I could talk a lot about this for the sake of time, I can't, uh, but, but in essence, what God is calling him to do, he's saying, I want you to leave everything that identifies you, and I want you to leave everything that is your security, everything that identifies you, everything that you know yourself by, and everything that is your security, all of your possessions, all of your belongings, everything that keeps you safe and lets you know that you're going to be okay, I want you to forsake all of that and go to the land that I will show you. Now, most importantly, in this call, God is calling Abram to leave the gods, the false gods that he had worshipped with his father in, in his father's house as well. And so he's calling him to forsake them and to come after him and to know and worship God alone. He's calling him to an exclusive worship. Now, this is not the first time that God calls anyone in Scripture. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read about how God created the world by calling or speaking everything into existence. Let there be light, and light came, and so forth. And then in chapter 2, God called Adam and Eve to something specific. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then in chapter, two, in, in chapter 6, God comes to Noah and calls him to build a boat. So in Genesis, God's initial revelation about who he is, what we understand and what we see here is that God is the God who calls. It's the first thing that we understand is that God is the God who calls. If you're following along on the outline on the back of the, the bulletin, that's, that's the first answer. And so what I want us to understand is that calling isn't just something that God does. It's part of who he is. He is the God who calls, the calling God. Now look back at verse 1 with me. We're going to start to look at what, what he told Abram specifically a little bit more. So he says, go from your father's house, from your country, from your kindred, to the land that I will show you. Now how's that for instructions? Can you imagine if you're Abram and God comes to you and he says, go to the land that I'll show you. If, if, if I'm in Abram's spot, at this point I'm like, hold on a second. I need a little more clarity about this. You're not just sending me out on a trip where I don't know where I'm going. That's maddening, right? But for some reason, Abram doesn't, we don't have, if you read the, the, the text, verse 4 and following, Abram doesn't push back. He actually obeys. It says in verse 4, simply, Abram went. I guess when God comes to you, you know, it's kind of a powerful encounter. Um, but, but, it, but it's interesting to me. It just, it, he just obeys. But what I want us to catch in here, once again, because this is about God and not as much about Abram, is that God doesn't just call Abram, God also sends Abram. He calls Abram and he sends Abram. And this isn't the first time that God sends anyone in Scripture either. In fact, in creation, God sent himself, stepping towards humanity to reveal who he is. And then God created man in his own image, and part of what that call to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, they have to spread out upon the earth. So he's sending them out to, to be representatives and reveal who he is. But then, after Adam and Eve eat of the tree and, and sin, if you read what happens immediately after that, it says that the Lord came walking in the, in the midst of the garden. And so God also sent himself to pursue them, even though they had broken their relationship and fellowship with him. So what we see throughout the first few chapters of Genesis up until this point 
is that God is the God who sins. He's not just the God who calls, he's also the God who sins. Sending himself and then sending his creation and specifically sending Abram. So earlier I, I mentioned that our, our title for this sermon series is Missio Dei. That's translated the mission of God. That's a Latin phrase for the mission of God. But it could also be translated the sending of God. Because mission actually means sending or to send. So just like calling, what I want us to understand here is that sending isn't just something that God does. It's a part of who he is. Sending is a part of God's nature. He is both the sent and sending one. And, and we'll, I have to walk through this somewhat, somewhat uh, in an overview way, but, but let's think about this. So God sends himself, as you know, the Father, he sends himself in creation as, as he, as, as, and sends the Son and the Spirit as they are all working the acts of creation, okay? But then... He also sends the Son. If you look in John's Gospel, especially John 8, you'll see that Jesus claims to be sent from the Father. But then we read in John 15, 26, that the Father and the Son send the Spirit. It says, but when the Helper comes, this is Jesus speaking in John 15, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So what I want to understand, want us to understand is sending is part of the core nature of God. He is the sending God. Another way to describe this is he is the missionary God. He doesn't just have missionaries who are sent from him. He himself is a missionary because he is coming after his people, pursuing them, wanting them to know him and worship him. So our God is the God who calls and he's also the God who sends. Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. This is where God begins to talk to Abram, and he starts to give him some promises. He says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God calls Abram, he sends Abram, and then he makes these incredible promises of blessing. Now I just want to walk through these, these uh, one by one. So in verse 1, he promises that he's going to give him a land. He says, go to the land that I will show you. And then in verse 2, he promises to make Abram into a great nation, to bless him with many, many descendants, tons of progeny. He's going to form a great nation out of him. Then God promises to bless Abram with a great name. And that means that in the world, in his day he would be well known and well respected that people would have honor and revere him but this all has a purpose okay in verse 2 at the end of verse 2 we see that all of this is so that abram will be a blessing so that he will be a blessing it's not just about him receiving and so god's blessing for Abram, isn't something that he's supposed to keep. It's something that he's supposed to pass on. It's, it, it's more that he is a channel of blessing than a receptacle of blessing, if you want to look at it that way. And so in verse 3, we see God also promises to protect Abram. He says, I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And so in essence, the way that God is setting all of this up is that 
how the rest of the people who surround Abram in this nation that he is forming out of him, that he will form out of him, how they deal with Abram is going to impact how God deals with them. He is choosing him to kind of be the hub of how people respond to God. And so I want to really, this, this is the most key phrase in these, in these verses as far as the blessing is concerned. At the end of verse 3, after he says that he promises to protect him, that, that he's going to be kind of the way that other people either find themselves in, in, under God's blessing or under his cursing, the last phrase says this. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Another way that you could translate that and right there would be so that. So I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make all of these things happen for you. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who uh, dishonor you, I will curse. So that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So all of this, uh, don't, don't miss this, all of this up until this point, God's calling of Abram, coming and plucking him out of the rest of the Chaldeans and setting him apart, sending him to this land that he's going to show him, and blessing him, all of it has the specific purpose with the desired and the, and the, and the promised result that all people will be blessed. And they're going to be blessed as they come to know and worship God through Abram. And his, and his nation. In New Testament reading we read, uh, that Rachel read for us, in Galatians 3, 6 through 9, I want to read that again for us. But what we see there is that in the way that Paul reads Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is that it is a foretelling of the gospel. Let me read it for us again. So we're in, in Galatians uh, Three, six through nine, says this. Just as Abraham believed, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what, all, what Paul is telling us here is that Genesis 12 meant that from the very beginning, Israel, from, from its very conception, which is right here in these words, where God is coming and, and uh, calling and sending Abram, from its very conception, Israel was meant to be a missional people. They were called and sent by God, blessed by him, so that they would make an impact on the world around them. So that the people, their neighbors, their neighboring nations, those that lived around them, would come to know God. God wanted and intended for the nations to come to know him and worship him through their interactions with Israel. And so, in these verses, back in, back in verses 2 and 3, if, we, if you count them up, we see there that God promises to bless Abram five different times. There's I will bless, the word bless is in there five different times. And anytime you see repetition in the scriptures, you know that that's something you're pay, supposed to pay attention to. And so what that teaches us is that not only is God the God who calls, not only is God the God who sins, but God is the God who blesses. That is who he is. Once again, it's not just something he does, it is who he is. He is the blessing God. 
Now, I mentioned it a minute ago, but when you take all of those together, what this means to me and what I think we're supposed to take away from this is that as the God who calls, the God who sends, and the God who blesses, God is the missionary God. So God doesn't just have a mission. It's not that he just has that, and that's like one of the things on his thousands of things that he wants to do. At his very core and at the very center of what he is doing with the world, what he is doing with human history, is he is desiring all people to have the chance to come to know and worship him. And it started through his nation, Israel. And I don't want to give away the rest of the sermon series, so come back. But this is who God is. He is the calling one. He is the the God who sends. He's the God who blesses. But what does that mean for us? I mean, obviously that has implications for us. If this is who God is, and we're created by him for his purposes, our purpose is tied into his character as we've been looking at. So let's walk through this a little bit. So if God is the God who calls, then he is also calling you and me. He doesn't just call some people. He doesn't just call Abram. All of us who are believers, all of us who have come to faith in him, he has called us unto himself. And if we want to play our part in his story, the very first thing that we must do is answer God's call to know and worship him. That is his call. Know me. Be in relationship with me. Worship me. Do not worship other things. Do not worship yourself. Know me and worship me alone. So God longs for us to worship him. And he made it possible for us to have this relationship with him by sending his son. Jesus came to the earth to live, to die in our place, to make a sacrifice for our sin so that we could be reconciled to God. And when we respond, respond to the invitation of the gospel and place our trust in Christ, we can know and worship God. That's the only way to know him. It's the only way to worship him. So if you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you have not placed your faith in him, I want you to know that you cannot play your part in God's story. You cannot fulfill the purpose that you were created for until you come to the relationship with Christ that, that he offers you. Knowing God, worshiping God, is the very first step, and that's only possible through Jesus. So God wants us to answer his call to know him and worship him. That's the first thing that he calls us to, but that's not it. As the God who sins, God didn't just send himself. He didn't just send the Son, and the Spirit. He didn't even just send Abram. God sent you, and he sent me. He sent us. If you look at John 20, 21 and 22, I'll I'll just read it for us. This is Jesus, Jesus speaking. He said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So any of us who are believers in Christ, who are followers of Him, indwelt by the Spirit, you and I have been given the Spirit of God so that we can fulfill the mission that He is sending us on. The Spirit is not just something for us to have and just have a warm fuzzy and come to church and sing some worship songs. The Spirit is given to us so that we would have power, that we would be equipped to be effective witnesses and to live for God. We are sent by the living God, every single one of us who has a relationship with Him through Christ. So if you want to look at it this way, every single Christian is a missionary. None of us is not a missionary. We have all been sent 
to the places that we live and the places that we work and play. And we need to view our entire life through that lens. The way that I would describe this is the response to God sending us is to live sent. To live sent. And what I mean by that is to embrace that everything that God has done in your life, the place that he has placed you as far as where you live, where you work, where you play, where you go to school, the, the sports teams that your kids are on, the activities that you're involved in and where he places you and the relationships that are all tied together through all of those things, God has sent you there. This is not by accident. He has put you in that place so that those people might come to know and worship him. And that's pretty awesome because what that means is that for each and every one of us, we have a unique calling and there are people that God has, has really set it up to where we are the main way that that person might hear the gospel and might get to see what it looks like to know and worship God. So there are people that you know that I don't know, and there are people that I know that you don't know that God has called you to reach because I'm not in your setting, and you're not in mine. God didn't call you to reach my neighbors, per se. I mean, if it happens, awesome. But he called you to reach yours. and He called all of us to this specific place that we are. It's not an accident. It's not just by chance. You live where you live by a holy calling. Let that sink in a little bit. Because that changes the game. That means that, you know, when you have a neighbor who does something annoying, you don't just go over there and beat on his door and be like, hey, get that out of here. You bear the name of Christ on your neighborhood, in your neighborhood and on your street. It's, 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 it's a big thing. It's a big, powerful thing when you really think about it. So we're not where we are by accident. We've been commissioned. We've been sent there. When we play our part in God's story, when we live knowing that is true, and let that dictate the way that we approach everything. Everything. So the second way that we play our part in God's story is by living sin. But the last way that we play our part and has to do with the fact that God is the God who blesses. And so you and I, according to the scriptures, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We are co-heirs with Christ, which means that everything that he has, which is everything, he gives to us and he shares with us. We have everything that truly matters. There's nothing that you could ever want or need that you do not have in Jesus, is what the scriptures teach. Now, we have that not to keep it, but to give it away, to make sure that we do what we can to share that with the people around us. So God has blessed us so that we will be a blessing. And so the way that we f fulfill our part in this life is by embracing that calling and being a blessing. By being a blessing. But how do you do that? I want to give us uh, four things that I think that are just categories. I'm going to, you know, each one of us, we have the Spirit to guide and direct us and to give us specific applications. But I want to give you four categories of ways that I think God calls us to be a blessing. First way is that God calls us to be a blessing with our character. It begins with who we are. So it begins with who we are. So when Jesus in the Gospels, he taught us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that teaches us is that the heart and what's going on inside of us is what drives the way that we talk. It's even the, what drives the way that we behave. So the very first way that I believe that we're going to be a blessing is by 
letting the Lord work in our lives and transform our hearts and make us like Christ in our character. So it starts with who we are. And if we're ever going to live for God's glory and reflect Him, it can't come from just having a laundry list of things that we decide we're going to be intentional to do. It begins with having a heart that makes it even possible to do those things in a way that is glorifying to God. So we start with our character. But the second way that I believe we can be a blessing has to do with our actions, what we do. Micah 6.8 is a, is a passage in the Old Testament that I think really captures a few ways that we can be a blessing to others with our actions. It says there that what does the Lord require of you? And then you jump down a little bit. What, what it says, it says these, these three phrases. First of all, to do justice, to, walk, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. So one of the ways that I think we can be a blessing when it comes to our actions is to look for people in our society who are living in injustice and to fight for justice for them. To look for people that are oppressed and who are being, being taken advantage of and to fight for them because what, what we see there is not pleasing to God and it is putting a stain on the image of God as those people are being oppressed. So that's one way. The second way, by loving kindness, I think that means that we just intentionally find ways to, to, to be a blessing to people that are around us. Maybe that means our coworkers, maybe the people we go to school with, maybe the people next door to us, but we intentionally look for ways to be kind to those people. And here's the catch. We don't do it because they deserve it. We don't do it even if they reciprocate it. We do it regardless. Maybe even so all the more when they don't respond to that with kindness back to us. So that's the second way I believe we can be a blessing. The third way has to do with our resources. So first was our character, second is our actions, but the third way I think we can be a blessing is with our resources, and what, that is, what I mean by that is how we use our stuff and our money. Our stuff and our money. So the things that you have and the cash that you have. God has given each and every one of us everything that we have. There's not a thing that you have that he hasn't done this with. He has given all of it to us so that we might put it to work blessing others. There's not a dollar in your bank account. There's not an item under your roof or in your yard or in your shed or in your storage unit that God did not give you so that you could use it as a blessing. So everything we have, everything is given to us. So the question is, how are we using that stuff to be a blessing to others? How are you using your dinner table to make much of Jesus and spread the gospel? How am I using my car? How am I using my record collection? Whatever it is, it is all given to me. It is all given to you so that we can be a blessing to people. Now, we got bills to pay. I'm not telling you to give all your money away. If God tells you to, do that. I'm not telling you to do that, okay? But every one of us has stuff already and we have money that is extra and the question is will we see it through the lens of that is our chance to be stewards of that for God's glory it's a big calling it's a big responsibility okay the final thing that I believe the, the final category I have for us this morning is we can be a blessing by the things that we say our speech so the, the fourth category is our speech what we say 
So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, obviously we're called to share the gospel. What Red just sung about, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death, triumphing over the grave. We're called to share that. But also, all the other words that leave our mouth as we're just talking about sports and work and kids and marriage and everything else, I think we would do best to ask ourselves one question, and I'm going to phrase it in two different ways, but one, one, basically one question. Before something leaves our mouth, we should ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say or what I want to say going to build up or tear down the work of the gospel? Is this going to aid Christ being magnified, glorified, and people coming to know and worship God, or is it going to deter that? Are my words going to further or hinder God's cause in the world? So being a blessing starts with our character. It also includes our actions, our resources, and our speech. What I really want us to take away this, this, this Sunday is that God himself is the missionary God. He has a mission, not as just one of, his, one of his goals with creation, but it is at the center of what he is doing because he wants all people to know and worship him. He wants people from every tribe, tongue, and nation And if you read the end of the book, we're going to get this later, that happens. There are going to be people from every people group across the earth in heaven singing God's praises for all eternity. It is at the core of God. This is not just like, oh, you know, that's that's something down the line. This is central to who he is and what life is about. So God is the missionary God. He calls, he blesses, he sends. Each and every one of us has been called We've been sent. We've been blessed. The question for us is, will we answer God's call? He wants East Dallas, and he wants the entire globe to be impacted in such a way that they would know and worship him through our church, through every single one of us. But will you and will I, will we ask God, will we answer his call, and will we live sent, and will we be a blessing? Will we ask him for the grace to have the character, the actions, to use our resources and to have speech that blesses others and causes his name to be magnified right where we live, right where we work, right where we play? You're a missionary. I'm a missionary because we were created and we're in a relationship by the Son, with the missionary God. Let's pray.